And welcome in everyone to the Labor Show as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We get ready, ready, J-Doc, to finish up what is the final weekend here in the month of April. And of course, one week from tonight as we look ahead to next week, May Day, uh, May 1st next week. Got a very, very special guest with us for hour number one of the two-hour show. In fact, we have two great one-hour shows tonight on the Labor Show. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And, and it's... Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, a lot of topics, important stuff going on right now in the labor movement. I'm uh, ecstatic to bring into the broadcast uh, president of the PAFLCO, Rick Blumendale. Uh, Mr. President, uh, welcome to the broadcast. Now, thanks very much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, you guys do great work. Well, we appreciate that. We're going on about seven years now, right, Krause? So it's always great to still be on the air, sir, and um, and great to have you. One of the things. Uh, we want to talk about, and like Joe said, May Day is coming up. Um, but, uh, you know, headline news is is the PRO Act. And I was fortunate enough to be on or to, 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 to view, uh, the, the, I guess, the, the Zoom seminar that you did with um, Secretary Treasurer Frank Snyder and, and, and a, a really uh, important cast of individuals on the PRO Act. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you would, just for our listeners, a um, little, little brief uh, recap of, of what the PRO Act is. All right. Uh, it's, uh, it's the Protect Our Right to Organize Act. And as folks may know or may not know, uh, unfortunately, labor history is not always taught in the schools. But uh, back in 1936, the National Labor Relations Act was uh, passed, which in the preamble, it says it's there to promote and the country, the USA, should promote collective bargaining as a way to provide harmony in the workplace. And over the last uh, 70 year, 80 years since the passage of the uh, National Labor Relations Act, it's been uh, nothing's happened except that it's been weakened first by Taft-Hartley, uh, then by Landrum-Griffith, two bills that significantly weakened and tilted the playing field towards the employer and against the worker. So this is the first time in over 80 years that we have a real shot uh, because we have a president, President Joe Biden, who absolutely believes in the right to organize and the right to collectively bargain and is a pro-union supporter. Uh, we have the chance to pass the PRO Act, which does a number of things. First of all, it uh, folks may have followed along with the Amazon uh, organizing drive down in Alabama. Uh, companies have an unlimited right to uh, force their workers to listen to anti-union propaganda on work time, right? The union has no such access. So it would be like conducting a U U.S. election where one side gets all the TV airwaves and the other side gets nothing except get the chance to hand out flyers at, at the plant gate. Um, so it would level that playing field, make sure that workers – and again, this is about their right to choose. It would make sure that workers had access to the information from both sides, from employer and the union equally, so that they can make an informed decision about what they want to do. Um, and right now, uh, when an employer breaks the law, which they do many times, and uh, RWDSU, the union who uh, was organizing in Amazon, has filed a number of uh, labor charges against Amazon for violating the law. Uh, but unfortunately, too often, 
the fines are small and the remedy is we'll put up a sign and said we did that. Um, and that's basically the remedy. Under the PRO Act, um, the fines would be up to $50,000 an incident, plus supervisors and managers would now be personally liable. So before they could break the law and not care, which is a sad statement of society that folks would willingly break the law. Uh, but now they would be personally liable financially um, for breaking that law. So it would be a huge, yeah, that, um, that management, manager or supervisor may, might think twice before they put their financial uh, resources on the line for the company. Um, so those are the kinds of things. It, it, it does a, a definite uh, window for elections um, and it, it makes sure there's first contract arbitration. Too often when unions win elections, the, uh, the company will just delay, delay, delay and not negotiate a contract employees leave over time and uh, sometimes the union just it fails because the employees who wanted the union started the union move on to other things because they can't get a contract so this would re require that um, if the employer is not bargaining in good faith that there's a arbitration process for that first contract so those are just some of the it's the the boldest uh, most uh, comprehensive labor law reform that we've had in um, over, well, since the passage of the National Labor Relations Act. And one of the other things is it would ban right to work. So too often companies, you know, move around and go to right to work states where you don't have to belong to the union, but you get the same benefits. And, you know, of course, that weakens solidarity and weakens your position at the bargaining table. So it would ban uh, right to work so that everybody would, uh, if a place unionizes, everybody's in the union, you know, everybody's at the table. So it's a, it's a significant uh, leveling of the playing field, giving workers a, a stronger voice at the table and in the ability to organize a union. Rick, so I, we really need to pass this. Rick, I just want to pick up on one thing that you said, just uh, for the benefit of the listening audience, uh, J-Doc and, and Rick. Uh, in the FCC regulates broadcast radio, so when you get into an election cycle, messaging needs to be provided, the platform needs to be provided for both of the candidates or for the candidates that are running for that specific, uh, for that specific uh, office. And I love what Rick said, J-Doc, because we've had to deal with that. Now, we're talking about radio and the FCC, but what Rick is saying, and I want the audience to understand that, is that's, that's exactly what that is. Well, you know, equal opportunity. Uh, Rick, a lot of the things... Uh, you know, for our listeners, and, and um, that was a phenomenal uh, Zoom seminar that you had, had uh, a few weeks back on the PRO Act. But what listeners should understand it when you and, and Amazon is exa was exactly where I was going with this. Uh, I find it incredibly hard, almost ridiculous, of epic proportions that a 70 to 30 vote uh, against a form of the union did not have a lot to do with the intimidation factors and the absolute uh, um, crazy amount of money that they spent on anti-union tactics and professionals to come in to for, for, for listeners to understand and I, I did a little reading on this 
these individuals working in Amazon at the Alabama plant, um, the guy who was organizing it, and I'm sure you're privy to this, uh, President Blumendale, but uh, they, they were getting docked for going to the bathroom. And if the bathroom on the, on the second floor, if they were working on the first floor, they'd go to a sub floor, and that was down because they had, they had to keep up with the actual robots. So if that biz- bathroom was down or being used, they'd go down a third floor. They would get docked um, to go to the bathroom, maybe even losing their job. Let's also talk about the ability. They would go to bed with one schedule and wake up in the morning only to find out that their schedule had been changed overnight and they're getting fired and docked on that. These are absolutely unbelievable conditions these workers are in. And due to these intimidation uh, factors that the PRO Act would prevent, uh, the, the, these individuals, um, I believe, were intimidated into um, voting down that union. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, the the level and, and you know, it, and it's illegal to fire a worker for engaging in union activity. But they would do then take the lead organizers, right, and they'd do exactly what you said. Um, they would change a schedule and, oh, we didn't fire him for union organizing. We fired him for uh, being late for work or we fired him for, you know, and everything they do is on uh, either your phone or, you know, whatever it is, but some kind of gadget they have. But they time, like you said, they timed you. So if you clicked on there and I don't know how it works, but say you click on your phone, go into the bathroom. If it takes you longer than five minutes, you're getting docked at six minutes and, you know, only allowed a certain number of bathroom breaks a day. So if you're an older worker um, that might have some issues, uh, it happens to older workers, um, you're not going to last very long. And if you get orga- involved in the organizing drive, they're going to make sure you don't last very long. So this is really about making sure. And again, now if that supervisor is now personally responsible for breaking the law or harassing workers, then it's a whole different ball game. So, uh, you know, the kinds of things, and one of the great things that the Amazon campaign pointed out to people, you know, when they read, if they know anything about labor history, it's like, oh, yeah, employers used to do those bad things. They don't do them anymore. Yes, they do, right? And anybody who works for a living and works in a non-union place can point to an example of when the employer has done something that they probably shouldn't have done. And the employee, the worker has no recourse because they don't have a union, which is why it's why in polling today, 75% of Americans now are now saying the highest number ever are saying if they had the opportunity to join a union, they would do so tomorrow. Um, we just got to make sure that they have the opportunity to join that union. We're visiting with President Rick Bloomingdale here on The Labor Show, our number one, of course, of the two-hour uh, program. Good conversation, all talking about the Pro, Pro Act, the full show uh, with the president. We'll take a quick break and return on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Back in a moment.
And back here on The Labor Show with J-Doc and Krause as we come to you every Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J-Doc, I am very excited to return to the Sinesta Hotel. We finalized this week our details for our first Labor Leader Roundtable. Yep. Uh, we'll roll out more of those details over the next couple of weeks. Very, very exciting to be able to get back on location at the Sinesta. A, a, a great Union Hotel. And can't wait to as well. I've had some great, great uh, broadcasts from there. Rick, we're going to invite you down to the uh, Sinesta <laughs> Hotel. It's a great two-hour event with a lot of labor leaders. Uh, it's a great meal provided by the Sinesta. And, of course, J-Doc takes home uh, all of the leftovers <laughs> uh, from, the, from the dessert table. But other than that, well, it's hold really on. good stuff. So, um, President Blumendale, I just want you to know I am on a diet. So we're in good shape. <laughs> if you want to take some of the leftovers home, you're the boss. Um, having, right. <laughs> having said that, um, you, you know, you hit on a lot of key issues. Um, I, the Biden administration and uh, obviously having a pro-labor uh, uh, president and administration, it is so refreshing to hear the word union and workers uh, coming from Washington uh, in, in, in a um, in, in, in a, a pro-worker way. How, how has that been for you? Uh, because it, finally we got somebody there who cares about the worker and, 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 and labor unions. Well, it's a breath of fresh air, right? And to have Joe Biden appoint uh, Marty Walsh, the uh, now former mayor of Boston, the new secretary of labor, uh, but also he was president of the building trades in the city of Boston and a member of the laborers uh, union business manager of his local. Um, so uh, we've got a guy who is now secretary of labor who gets it, who understands what it means to be a union person. And he's he named a number of folks um, to work on trade issues that come out of the labor movement. Uh, and, you know, it just it, the different perspective we're getting, not just the Department of Labor, but the Department of Commerce and the, US, the United States trade representative comes out of the labor movement. Who would have thought that we'd actually have somebody negotiating trade agreements who understands what it means to negotiate? Instead of giving away everything that America has, uh, that some previous presidents have done, um, to have somebody who gets that America's workers are some of the best workers in the world and that we need to be negotiating for them in these international trade agreements, as, as well as for those folks who are, you know, the owners of companies, and which has been what we've done for 50 years is negotiate for capital and property rights and, you know, uh, intellectual rights, and but never the worker. And that's been a huge change in the attitude that we see coming out of the Biden administration, that we are just loaded up with, with folks who get workers, who understand workers. So it's, uh, it's a new day. Um, and uh, it's just exciting uh, to see what he's done already with the COVID plan. This infrastructure bill that he has uh, is a game changer for workers, uh, not only in Philadelphia uh, and Pennsylvania, but all over the country. Um, it's going to be huge. And and you mentioned, um, you know, 75 percent of Americans uh, are pro, you know, union and would, and would prefer to be a part of a union. And I think what's What's I mean that's awesome and I and 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 I think that when people look at what happened at Amazon, 
Okay, one thing that gets lost in the, in, in the, in the shuffle is um, you, you talked about the tactics that are used by a massive company, and God knows I can understand why they did it. They're only worth almost a trillion dollars. So I can see why you'd pressure workers uh, in, in, the way they, in the way they do and being sarcastic, of course. But having said that, um, it, it, having Americans be so pro-labor at this point um, labor has always been the voice of the middle class. And one of the things, and I know you're very close with Pat Iding here in Philadelphia, and one of the things I, I, I love about Pat, uh, especially when you're listening to his broadcast, he always talks about people helping people in general, not just those with a collective bargaining agreement. And that, for, that's that's um, those who are in a union. Um, and it seems to me that Americans are not only um, you know are not only getting that message those who are or, or and are not in a union but they're they're also seeing uh, the benefits of 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 being in a union and when stuff like this happens at Amazon uh, you know it's a disgrace of epic proportions that those individuals uh, were beat up that badly but don't you think that what's going on right now that all Americans are finally getting the message Absolutely. I mean, I think it's an important, important point that you raise. And, you know, President Eiding and I were uh, yesterday on Friday, we were at a, uh, a virtual uh, Zoom memorial of Workers Memorial Day, where we honor and remember those who died over the last year uh, due to uh, accidents at work. And um, unfortunately, this year, because of covid uh, we had so many essential workers who passed away because they were exposed at work, um, you know, in the healthcare industry, the food processing industry, folks who couldn't work from home. Um, and those are the kinds of things, you know, the labor movement does. The fact that Pat had at his office downtown a, a vaccine uh, clinic so that folks could come in and get vaccinated. Um, they've done any number in around the state. We've done any number of uh, food drives because during COVID food insecurity, uh, it's always been there, but the COVID crisis made folks realize just how much uh, folks are uh, one paycheck or one meal or one reduced unemployment check or uh, a delay in an unemployment check away from food insecurity. And the number and that those are the things the labor movement does, regardless if you're in a in a union, regardless, as you said, Joe, if you, you have a collective bargaining agreement. We're there to help. Right. We fought for OSHA, uh, which worker Memorial Day. So we're celebrating the 50th anniversary this year. Um, you know, we fought for health and safety for all workers, not just union workers. Now, when we fight for an increase in the minimum wage. Uh, that doesn't affect many union workers, but we know it lifts up all workers. So we fight for those things, um, not just for us, but for everybody, because it's the right thing to do. It's the just thing to do to fight for workers. Absolutely. And, and having said that, um, you, you know, you, you touched on a, a lot of issues and, and, and um, you, 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 we have uh, Workers Memorial Day coming up. And one of the things uh, here in, in, in Philly, we got Philip Posh, and um, one of the sayings that, that we have here is pay for the, or, or pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. And uh, certainly 
it's an, you, you mentioned that and, and, and those who have lost their lives on jobs. Anybody who's been to that um, ceremony that we have, you carry a sign around your neck of somebody who went to work during the day and did not come home that night. And it's, it's one of the most emotional uh, ceremonies that you, and, and then we read out the, um, the names of those people. Talk about, talk about that if you would, because it's, it's, you know, one of the most emotional ceremonies and, 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 and also that saying, you know, fight like hell for the living, pray for the dead, fight like hell for the living. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's, it is a moving ceremony and this year it's virtual. Uh, and you know, but starting out usually at sheet metal workers hall and marching down to the, uh, you know, down to the, the river and, uh, with the sign around your neck. And then when we get there, the bagpiper and, the, uh, and, you know, you read the name, you throw a rose into the, into the Delaware river and memoriam, uh, of the person that whose name that you read. And, you know, it, it, it's so sad again that, you know, the it, it, 150 or 120, which is a normal average for a year is way too many for Philly, South Jersey and, and Delaware. Um, but this year, it, it, it doubled uh, to 300 workers between last year and this year that we lost. And, and most of that was due to, due to COVID, um, that folks were in these essential businesses where, uh, you know, they got the disease and they, they passed away while it, uh, you know, and contracted it at work. So um, it is a moving ceremony, but it's a hell of a reminder that our work is never done and fighting for health and safety. Um, that's one of the things that unions can do because, you know, look, I know that the Biden administration will fight for additional inspectors for OSHA because Marty Walsh will fight for additional inspectors, but they're never going to be enough um, to do all the inspections that need to be done around the United States of America. So one of the best ways to have a healthy and safe workplace is to have a union because then the union can negotiate a health and safety committee. They can make sure there's a safety uh, officer who walks around the plant or the facility and make sure that folks are following safety protocols, management, and sometimes workers will look for that shortcut and make a mistake. And we have to educate the workers, take your time, do the right thing, be safe, but make sure that management's engaged as well so that everybody is looking out for everybody else at the work site to make sure they're safe every single day that they go to work. And that's, again, one of the benefits of unionism is being able to negotiate that. That's why it's important to pass the PRO Act. Now, it's not just about the money. Sometimes, it's a lot of times, it's about the dignity of work and health and safety on the job. President Rick Bloomingdale joining us here for the full hour in hour number one of the two-hour show. We'll get to a commercial break on Talk Radio 1210. Back in a moment.
And back here on the Labor Show with Jadock and Krause as we visit tonight in hour number one uh, with President Rick Bloomingdale. Uh, Rick, I want to ask you if you'll help the listening audience here in the Philadelphia region and the Delaware Valley uh, understand uh, the vibe, the union vibe throughout the entire state. Pennsylvania is a big state. On the other end of the Pennsylvania Turnpike is Western Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, strong union representation. We've been in Pittsburgh and done radio programming uh, uh, with Pittsburgh Labor. Help the region here understand the ebb and flow of the union communities on both ends of the state. Sure. And, you know, you're right. I mean, Pennsylvania is a big state. It's from, you know, Philly to Pittsburgh. It's a six-hour drive. Uh, Philly to Erie, it's even longer. Uh, but, you know, we have strong unions in every part of the state and union members in every uh, county in the state. There are over 700,000 union members in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and as you know, you know, Frank Snyder, our secretary treasurer and myself travel uh, as much as we can to get to visit with those members before COVID and hopefully soon <laughs> um, to talk to them, to learn about their jobs, to learn about their needs and what they can fight for in the, in the legislature, both in Harrisburg and Washington, D.C. But, you know, you have uh, just the same, you know, you probably have more steel workers out west than you have in the southeast, All you, although you guys have a great number of steel workers in, in Philadelphia. Of course, the building trades are everywhere, and uh, as are the public sector unions, uh, AFSCME and SEIU and uh, of course, AFT is, uh, you know, big in Philly, but also big in Pittsburgh and Scranton. Uh, and up in Erie, you know, you've got, uh, uh, used to have a lot of paper workers and a lot of lo- um, um, locomotive workers. Uh, GE had a big locomotive plant that's been downsized. Uh, but uh, you've got workers with machinists, every kind of skill. There is, and that's the, the thing about the the labor movement, right? People used to think that, oh, unions just blue collar men, right? And but that's not true. Um, it's it's all people of color. It's men, women, um, whatever you know, whatever you identify as. And um, anybody can be in a union, right? There, there's nothing in the law that says only this group of people can be in a union. Anybody who wants to get together and have a voice at work has the right to organize. Now, it's been tougher for independent contractors, which is why some employers are trying to go that route because it's hard. You can't organize. Uh, The law doesn't deal with them because it was written back in the 30s when when, uh, independent contractors weren't really a thing. So that's one of the things that has to be updated and is updated in the PRO Act. Uh, is the ability for independent contractors to organize and have a union and a voice at work. It doesn't eliminate, and there's a lot of controversy around folks think, oh, it eliminates the ability to be an independent contractor. It does not. It just gives you a way to figure out how to have a voice at work um, to make sure that you are treated fairly and justly uh, by the people who are contracting with you. So, um, but yeah, all over the state, uh, you know, we got all kinds of workers who join a union, all kinds of folks, uh, regardless. And, you know, one thing about a collective bargaining agreement, it's, uh, it's colorblind and it's gender, gender neutral. Um, if you're, uh, 
machinist one. Uh, it doesn't say machinist one African American or machinist one Asian American. It says machinist one, and this is your rate of pay. Now, whether you're white, black, Asian, whatever, doesn't say machinist one, male, female, transgender. It doesn't say any of that. It says machinist one, and that's what you get paid, right? So uh, the beauty of a collective bargaining agreement is uh, it is not um, uh, based on anything other than your skill set. I'll tell you, you just, this interview just doubled. You know, you you brought up so many issues that I think are important. I've never seen you write down so many notes. You got me me writing like I'm writing a book here, (laughs) President Bloomberg. So so the first thing I want to talk about is, um, and I'm going to roll right down this, um, because we talked about job safety. Uh, are you on a union job? So I was an iron worker, okay? And uh, as we have a job steward. If there's a, a, a safety issue somewhere, okay, we can go to the job steward and say, hey, listen, there's a hole right there. You know, it's going down 20 floors. We need it. So we need it. We need to put net on there. We need to do something. We have such rights and, 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 and opportunities to be able to cure situations that are putting people at risk. On a non-union job, that, that does not... You, who are you going to go to? You, many people will just look the other way because they know the minute they bring it up, they could be fired. And so that's a big deal, and especially with contractors, President Blumendale, when you're talking about safety on the job, they factor that in. Union jobs, because of situations like that, are so much safer than the alternative, and that affects the bottom line. You're absolutely right. I mean, and that's, uh, again, the beauty, because, you know, the remedy that a non-union, they could call OSHA, but, you know, and it's no fault of the great inspectors that we have, but unless it's an imminent danger, it might be a couple of days before they get out there because there are so few of them. You know, one of the things when OSHA passed, you know, Ronald Reagan, and it passed when Nixon was president, but you know, there was so much controversy about it, but it also became so popular that one of the things that Ronald Reagan, he knew he could never repeal it, although he ran on his campaign was to repeal it. But instead, what they did was they didn't fund it, which is a travesty, right? If, if we have laws on the books, they should be carried out. Uh, political parties shouldn't dictate um, that you know, oh, we're only going to have so many OSHA inspectors uh, because we don't believe in the law. It's the law. So we should fund it at an adequate level so that uh, every worker has the ability to call OSHA and get a problem fixed. But right now, the best way to do that is to have a union uh, because you can take care of it, as you mentioned, immediately. You go to that job steward and say, here's a problem. And that job steward will say to the boss, we're shutting it down until it's fixed or let's get it fixed right now. And you don't have that with OSHA um, because it, it might take a day or two for them to get out there and do the inspection. I'm going to take a break, Jay Doc. Where we're visiting with President Rick Bloomingdale. I want to take our last break and then we'll finish it up uh, on the other side. Quick hour uh, on the Labor Show with Jay Doc and Krause back in a moment.
And back here on the Labor Show with J Doc and Krause. It's our number one, J Doc, uh, of the two hour show. And as we visit with the president, uh, Rick Bloomingdale, joining us for uh, the full hour uh, here in our number one. You mentioned at the very beginning, J Doc, we're seven years strong. We're actually closer to eight, still standing. Uh, and for the benefit of Rick, we've expanded to two hours now uh, in Philadelphia. So we continue to use the platform to talk about the PRO Act, to talk about union issues and create awareness on this platform for the public. Yeah, and we have a big stick here. we got a great station who allows us to do it. I, one of the things, Joe Krause, you brought up but that I want to uh, you know, push on is leadership, okay? We've had, and, and Rick, having uh, you know, such a strong state you know, when it comes to union members and, and, and passion for our labor community, I, I venture to say that, at least because I'm a building trades guy, you could go to almost you know, nine out of ten of us and we got our union tattooed on our arm. Um, having, having said that, I believe it's because we've had great leadership like yourself, uh, like Frank Snyder, like Pat Eiding uh, and John Doherty, people who are passionate, uh, really smart and who care about working people. And those people who don't have a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement talk about that and how important it is to not only for you guys to be leaders, but also to bring up the next generation of leaders. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the compliment uh, they did. To all of us, and um, look, we're we're all elected, and we hope we do a good enough job that we we get reelected. Uh, in, you know, you mentioned John Doherty; he's done an incredible job uh, in his time and uh, his you know, life of service to his local and now the building trades the last few years. Um, and you know, it, it's um, it, it's about the passion, and we hope. You know, we explain we're able to sort of show that passion, and that's you know. But as you mentioned, and I can't say I'm, I'm. I hope I do a great job leading, but um, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm a great leader. But um, you know, you've mentioned some great leaders. But what's critical is that we do bring up the next generation because this labor movement will exist with or without us, right? And we've had some great leaders and we will continue to have great leaders. And now, you know, one of the beautiful things about, um, you know, diversity and more and more people getting involved is you've got a huge number of folks who are passionate and caring and young and really looking forward, men, women, um, and, you know, looking forward to to leading this movement and being, you know, trained and, and working with us. And, um, and that's critical because we're, I believe that we're on the cusp of just this uh, explosion of people who want to join in the labor movement. And that's going to take bright young leaders um, and folks who are ready to step up. Uh, you know, I'm 68 years old. And I'm not going to do this forever, but, um, and I, I'm so refreshing when you see in our labor studies programs and our labor unions, you see young men and women, uh, people of color getting involved at, at every level. Um, and that makes me feel good. And we just, by the way, finished our getting our essays in for our union scholarship program. And so many bright young high school kids who took the time to do some research about the labor movement, uh, and it's open to folks, kids of union members. So, 
you know, they have some experience, but that experience is so positive that, you know, I don't worry at all about the future of the labor movement when I look at the, some of those essays from the children of our members uh, who are, are going to college or going into the building trades pro- apprenticeship programs, which to me is college for people who are good with their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, we got a lot sick. of op- it's the best kept secret, Rick. I think it's the best kept secret in town. I've been trying to make more and more people aware of how incredible, and we've talked about this. Yeah, uh, by the, the way, I, programs are. absolutely. Uh, before we talk about, that, I do want to talk about. I mean, just mention our leadership in in Pittsburgh, who also does, they do a, a phenomenal job, and across the state. Um, but yet, you know, I was going to mention the apprenticeships, the education, uh, and the training programs, which is a big part of what we do, um, and what. Well, we try to, Joe and I, uh, and John Dock and Pat Eiding and all the labor leaders down here, and uh, when we do the shows on a weekly basis, we try to educate the public that not everybody coming out of high school, you know, want, you know, wants to go to college. They, they may not made, be made for college, but an apprenticeship program is like a college education. And there are so, some programs that are actually college accredited, So, and we pay for them out of our, our union dues. So that's a big part of our advantage. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, and again, that's why I think it's important that we get, you know, somebody like Marty Walsh, who's Secretary of Labor. I mean, there's a guy who came through an apprenticeship program. So he's going to get it. But what's the, the point you mentioned, Joe, about you guys pay for this, right? It's not government funded. Um, although, you know, sometimes there are grants and stuff to expand accessibility and pre apprenticeship, which sometimes kids coming out of high school. You know, they may decide, oh, I want to try one of the trades, but they didn't like math when they were in high school. So they might need some remedial help with math because math's an important part of a lot of the trades. So, you know, that kind of apprenticeship readiness in those courses um, are are critical. Uh, And, uh, you know, having a secretary of labor who gets that and uh, and look, a governor in Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf, who gets that and made sure that apprenticeship is apprenticeship training office, which is, you know, chaired by a building trades person, um, is, uh, you know, getting the kind of money it needs to do that kind of apprenticeship readiness. But again, when somebody comes out of the apprenticeship program and it's, you know, four or five years, depending on the trade, they don't have debt. There's no student debt because you guys pay for it out of your wages. Um, You put money to make sure that that person working next to you has the same skills, although you have the experience, but has those basic skills so they don't hurt themselves or you. So that portion, that part that you do to make sure that that training is excellent um, is uh, just an amazing uh, part of the apprenticeship program uh, that it's paid for by all of you. Uh, Rick Bloomingdale, two minutes until we uh, end our hour together here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As I mentioned when we first came on, we're going into a week leading into May Day, a week from today. Uh, Let me give you the last 90 seconds um, uh, to talk about What's coming up next week leading into Saturday and, and uh, allow you the freedom to be able to um, speak directly uh, to the listening audience without a question? Uh, sure. And uh, look, we have uh, for and I know your radio 
show goes way beyond outskirts, way beyond Philly. So, um, you know, go to our website, paaflcio.org. There will be a list of activities between now and, um, and May Day. Uh, but Workers Memorial Day is officially April 28th. Some folks have already kicked it off. Phillies was yesterday on Friday. Um, but uh, Erie has one on if you happen to be in Erie on April 28th, Washington County. Um, and uh, uh, any number of folks, Lehigh Valley is this Sunday um, up at the Workers Memorial. Uh, Harrisburg's is Monday morning. Uh, I can't list them all, but. Uh, there are events all over to uh, fight, to call a call to action to fight for the PRO Act because it is so inextricably entwined with health and safety. And one issue I, I didn't get to and didn't mention, and I should have because it's my union that I come out of and asked me, and, uh, and that's the fact that public sector workers aren't covered by OSHA. And we need to make sure that we get Senator Tartaglione's bill passed that would provide OSHA coverage for public sector workers. There's no reason that somebody driving a waste management trash truck has better protections than that person driving the city of Philadelphia trash truck. Same truck, same equipment, different employer. One has health and safety, one does not protections. And so we gotta get that passed. But all kinds of activities, check out our website, um, participate. Someone will be virtual. Someone will be in person, socially distanced, wearing a mask. If you're vaccinated, get <laughs> great. If you're not, get vaccinated right. uh, and come out to an event. Sounds like we have a topic, J-Doc, for one of our two-hour labor leader specials Absolutely. Uh, at the Senesta. President Rick Bloomingdale joining us here uh, for the uh, first hour. J-Doc, I'll give you 15 seconds. Yeah, uh, President Bloomingdale, uh, first of all, I want to obviously thank you for, for, for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you. And, and of course, for, for, for I know you're being modest. You're a great leader. Uh, it's, uh, it's what makes uh, Pennsylvania one of the great uh, union uh, states in, in, in the country, I think, the best by far. And uh, we appreciate your leadership. And on a side note, J-Doc, as we say goodbye to Rick, Rick, you get my unconditional promise uh, that should you make it down to the Sinesta, mm-hmm. I'll have your own dessert tray prepared uh, separate <laughs> and from it, J-Doc. Union, have, union made dessert, union so they made, taste a hell of a lot you better. you will not have any access. Oh. Great job uh, tonight <laughs> by Rick Bloomingdale joining us here in our number one of the Labor Show. We'll get to thank our you number, guys. Thank you, Rick. Thank Rick. you, Rick. We'll get to our number two on the other side of the top of the hour.